Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow. Thursday, June 4th, 2020. You, me, Locked On Dolphins. Let's get this thing geared up and dig in. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Welcome to today's show. We're going to talk about quarterbacks on the Dolphins' schedule. We've spent a lot of time intently focused on the quarterbacks the Dolphins have on their own roster and those dynamics. But today we're going to be exploring the slate of difficulty the Dolphins face in their opposing quarterbacks in 2020, specifically, you know, forget about the teams, forget about the date, forget about the location, just ranking the difficulty of the quarterbacks. I did this as an exercise for DolphinsWire.com, ranking the quarterbacks, and I really enjoyed it, but it didn't give me a lot of room to fully flesh out my thoughts. So I thought, what better space and place than Locked On Dolphins to talk about this this concept about ranking in order of difficulty the quarterbacks Miami has on their schedule. But before we get there, I think we do need to acknowledge one Peter King from NBC Sports, formerly of Sports Illustrated, uh, used to run Monday Morning Quarterback, now writes uh, Football Morning in America as his weekly column. And he surprised me because he's... The first media guy to rank teams that I've seen actually give, I don't want to say love, but like doesn't expect the Dolphins to be trash this year. That's where we're going to start today's show. So with that said, let's get after it. NBC Sports' Peter King released his post-offseason power rankings for the 2020 NFL season Checking the Miami Dolphins in at 19th out of 32 teams, the second highest rating of any team in the AFC East. King had this to say, My most overused stat in the offseason, 2019 records including postseason since Halloween, Miami 5-4, New England 4-5. And And then the Dolphins add an electric quarterback, half of the Patriots roster, and reinforcements for the offensive line. I look at the two coordinators Brian Flores let go with a mixture of suspicion and praise. Chad O'Shea's offense may or may not have been too encyclopedic, and Patrick Graham may or may not have meshed with Flores' defensive philosophy totally. But I like a coach who has the guts to open himself up for criticism for having two new coordinators in year two. King continued with the following. As for who plays quarterback around the draft, I kept hearing Miami's the perfect place for Tua Tungavaloa because he can take a red shirt year to get his ankles and surgically repaired hip. Absolutely perfect for 2021. So Tua behind Ryan Fitzpatrick was the perfect scenario. It could be, but not because the Dolphins drafted him to take a rehab season. If we've learned one thing from watching Brian Flores last year, When half his roster got traded to get into position to have the number one pick in the draft, he's not coaching for next year. He could have played Josh Rosen and likely won less and been in the derby for Joe Burrow. But Flores showed last year he coaches for this week, this minute. If Tonga Vailoa is better in August, assuming there's a typical August in the NFL, he'll play over Fitzpatrick. If he's not better, he won't. Miami's placement at 19th in Peter King's 
power rankings also slotted the Dolphins second place in the AFC East, ahead of the New England Patriots, who were slotted 21st, and the New York Jets, who were slotted 28th as one of the five worst teams in football. And interestingly enough, Peter King also slotted the Miami Dolphins ahead of the Houston Texans, who the Dolphins own their first and second round picks in the 2021 NFL Draft, courtesy of the trade for Laramie Tunsil that has already netted the Dolphins Noah Igbahogany as a first-round selection, and a fourth-round pick that was acquired in trading back from 26, Houston's original spot, to 30, and then that fourth-round pick was traded up for the Dolphins to go draft Solomon Kindly, an offensive lineman as well. You don't typically see a lot of power rankings love for the Dolphins based on the skepticism that surrounds so many new pieces of the puzzle here in Miami, and that's understandable. King pointing out the two new coordinators and the changes that they bring, and the personnel changes of over 50% of this roster is likely to be new players in 2020, will, will provide some significant barriers for immediate success. But if the Dolphins are able to maintain their starting point, relatively close to what their finishing point was after they finished the year 5-4 and four after Halloween, as King pointed out, and then can improve at a similar rate throughout the course of the season with new pieces of the puzzle around them, it's hard to say where the ceiling is for this Dolphins team. But it's certainly much closer to 19th than it is to some of the other rankings that you see across other power rankings, where the Dolphins are generally considered to be one of the five worst projected teams in football from a win total in 2020. I think as we see this Dolphins team get into their season, looking at the teams that they play, understanding some of those teams are not going to live up to their expectations of what they were last year, the Dolphins will have an opportunity to finish near the middle of the pack, and if everything goes right, maybe even higher than that. Expectations are a funny thing, but I think our expectations for the Dolphins as followers of this team who saw what Brian Flores did last year, who know better than to just look at the names on the, the paper and say, oh, I, I don't know this guy, I know that guy's young, this guy's never played before, so on and so forth. This team's probably going to be picking top five just because they, they got too many new pieces. This feels different than that. And, and I think our expectations, as long as we don't let them get away from us, don't be irrational, you know, let's not say 12-4 and four this year, please. I think 10 wins is even a stretch. I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility. I think it's unlikely. I don't want you to get into a mindset where you're expecting 10 wins because then that puts me in a bad spot where I'm going to be, you know, the hater. I don't want to be the hater. I want to be realistic. I want to look at things from all angles. I want to approach this with a critical eye game by game, just like the Dolphins, right? You know, it's, you listen to Dolphins players talk about their offseason and their careers thus far in the NFL. They say, you know, that taking it one one day at a time. I got to get better today than I was yesterday. I'm committed to that process and getting better. Let's take this as looking at the Dolphin seasons, just like the team would one day at a time, one play at a time, critical eye. Uh, and with that said, of course, naturally that sets up a perfect segue to look ahead through the entire season for the opposing quarterbacks that they're going to play, uh, but not 
we're not predicting wins and losses. So I think that that is an important note for us to make. But before we do, I'm going to talk to you guys about our friends over at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com You guys ready to talk about some quarterbacks? Get a chance to justify my rankings here. So I ranked the quarterbacks the Dolphins will face in 2020. And here's what I was able to cook up with. I don't think anybody's going to argue with me that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback on the Dolphins schedule, right? This is a first-year starter, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. Then he misses two games this year and still throws for... uh, two or three games this year and still throws for 40,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, wins Super Bowl MVP, reigning Super Bowl champions, da 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 Like, yeah, like, Mahomes is amazing. The matchup will be interesting for the sake of Miami secondary trying to match all of the speed and the Dolphins' safeties trying to contain Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back. But make no mistake, like, Mahomes, you're never going to fully stop it. You just have to operate with that understanding that if you can force a mistake or two, if you can make a few big plays, cut possession short of getting points, you give yourself the fighting chance to make a play. If you don't, he's probably going to boat race you. (laughs) That's the unfortunate reality. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins are a team that's going to be well-suited to go blow-for-blow track meets. So it's going to be really big on the secondary to contain these pass catchers for Mahomes. But he's going to make chicken salad a few times out of some really ugly-looking plays because that's what elite quarterbacks do. I don't think anybody would argue with me. Mahomes is the best quarterback on the Dolphins schedule. Number two, I had Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is interesting because Russell Wilson has never won less than nine games as a starting quarterback in the NFL. The last time the Dolphins played Russell Wilson, 2016, they went up to Seattle and they should have won the football game. They quite frankly should have won that game. Uh, They were winning within the final minute of the game and Russell Wilson did exactly what Russell Wilson has to do on a routine basis, which is bail his team out. Seattle won that game 2016, I believe it was opening week, 12 to 10. Miami is winning 10 to 6. Russell Wilson, 31 seconds left, throws a touchdown pass to Doug Baldwin to win the football game. Now, granted, Seattle deserved to win the game from the pure perspective of they had twice as many first downs, they had over 140 extra yards of offense. 
They had Russell Wilson. Of course, they got the home field advantage. But this is a team unlike the Kansas City Chiefs. They have an elite quarterback. But they're not a team that's constructed to dominate. They're routinely a team that lingers around in close games. And then Russell Wilson steps up in crunch time and makes some plays happen. Knowing that, Russell is, in my opinion, a more winnable game than Kansas City. Uh, simply because the Seattle team has some shortcomings. They play and transcend those shortcomings because of Russell Wilson. Uh, they, they rarely let him, quote-unquote, cook until it's crunch time. And they're like, all right, Russ, go get him. And, and Russ routinely goes out and gets him. And he's one of the most successful fourth-quarter comeback and, and uh, game-winning drive quarterbacks through eight seasons in NFL history. Number three is where it gets interesting. For me, I put Kyler Murray at three. Former number one overall pick, offensive rookie of the year last year. You can debate on whether or not he was the right choice for the award or not, but he won the award. And he's really dynamic. And um, two-way threat, so that adds an added layer to him versus many of the other quarterbacks that you're going to get here. Kyler's got a live arm, and now he's got Nuke Hopkins at his disposal in year two, where the game should be slower for him. He's got continuity with his head coach. That's a tough draw, Kyler Murray. And I expect explosive plays from that offense in general. The added layer of Fitzgerald with his savviness and, and being a big slot and New Hopkins is scary. And, of course, there's the dynamic of the Kenyon Drake revenge game potential there that we should be scared about. And, of course, let's not forget Jordan Phillips signed there as well. And Jordan Phillips loves to play the Dolphins just so he can make that one play and let everybody over on the sideline know it. And I'm sure it'll probably be a little better uh, with Adam Gase no longer in the picture. But uh, Jordan Phillips, Kenyon Drake revenge game as added layers on top of Kyler Murray's extremely gifted arm. You can tell he's a natural thrower. Kind of the baseball background really pops with the arm slots and being able to throw from all angles. And just doing really special things with the football. His his highlight reel throws last year were terrific. And I think he's poised for a big breakout in year two. Number four. I mean, you could make a case if you believe Joe Burrow's all that in a bag of chips to be the fourth best quarterback the Dolphins are going to face this year. I ended up putting Jared Goff. Just because Goff has, you know, if you... Ignore the the massive statistical regression as far as his passer rating in 2019. Uh, he dropped, I believe, 16%. He had two consecutive years, this first two years with uh, Sean McVay, in which, you know, passer rating over 100. Obviously, they went to the, the Super Bowl in, in 2018. Uh, he had a 24-7 and record as a starter over those first two years with McVay. He... Threw for 4,600 yards last year still. He had 10, 10 drop-off drop of 10 touchdowns, four more interceptions. So his line was 4,600 yards, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. The offensive line was not good. But in that system, McVay has proven that he gives Goff the outs necessary to proficiently move the ball down the field. He averaged 290 yards passing per game last year and was only sacked 22 times. If you get him under heat, you can get some bad decisions out of him. But he doesn't take a lot of sacks because of the quick quick orientation of his offense. And he's passed for 4,600 yards in two consecutive seasons. 
He's not a guy that's going to win a lot off script, but I do think because of the system, his experience in year four in this system, hopefully getting some better play on the offensive line from their perspective, not our perspective as Dolphins fans, I would put Jared Goff as the next quarterback in line, the fourth best challenge the Dolphins will have at the quarterback position this season. Five, I settled on Jimmy Garoppolo. Say what you will about, you know, missing a couple throws in the Super Bowl and locking in and missing George Kittle on reads uh, on plays over the middle of the field, which it was very real. And then, of course, the deep post to Emmanuel Sanders that would have given San Francisco the lead within the final two minutes that he overthrew by two or three yards. Uh, statistically speaking, he had a strong year. The running game allows him to kind of thrive and not have to shoulder the, the brunt of the offense. And furthermore, he wins. You know, as I know, quarterback wins is not something that I'm ever going to die on that hill for because it's a team sport. But Garoppolo in San Francisco is 19 and 5 as a starter, not including the postseason, in which he went 2 and 1. So he's 21 and 6, including the postseason as a starter. Pretty impressive. Your quarterback rating of 102 last year. More than twice as many touchdowns as he had interceptions, 4,000 yards. He engineered four fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning drives last year. He's got a strong resume, and he took his team to a Super Bowl. They had postseason success. So I put Jimmy Garoppolo at five as the fifth-best quarterback. By the way, there's 13 players on this list. When you account for divisional games, 13 quarterbacks that we're ranking here. Jimmy Garoppolo at five. Quick recap. Mahomes at one, Russell Wilson two, Kyler Murray three, Goff four, Garoppolo five. Six, I landed on Derek Carr. Uh, Carr's interesting because there was some conversations throughout the course of this offseason that uh, Derek Carr might be on the move. John Gruden might be opting to go a different direction. Uh, Carr's really sneakily deceptive because he threw uh, 70% completion percentage last year. Over 4,000 yards in consecutive seasons. But he's developing the reputation of a bit of a check down Charlie. And um, he had better adjusted stats for his you know net yards per attempt uh, versus the last two years. Uh, he was barely over six in 2017, 2018. He was over seven and a quarter in 2019. Uh, but that, I think, comes more from some of the skill players. So Carr is... Modest enough athlete. He can beat you with his legs if you you break contain with your rush angles. But he's a guy that I think you can pressure into some pretty rapid throws. And, and those quick throws will kind of force him to forego opportunities to push the ball down the field. And because of that, and because of the reputation of being a bit of a check down Charlie, I think Carr is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback that the Dolphins will face. Uh, and Josh Allen seven. If Josh Allen played like he plays against the Dolphins across the league, he'd probably be three on the list, which is super frustrating because he kills Miami. He, he, Josh Allen destroys the Dolphins. This is my fault because I didn't like Josh Allen coming out of the NFL draft. But the Josh Allen you get versus everybody else, 
If the Dolphins can get even remotely close to that level of play, I think they are well-positioned to steal a game from the Bills this year, despite the Bills being a more complete, well-rounded roster. They're a little bit further ahead in the Dolphins in the rebuild, but I like the direction that the Dolphins are going to match up and go toe-to-toe with the Buffalo Bills. I rank Josh Allen in the middle of the pack because it's impossible to ignore how well he's played against the Dolphins when talking about the Dolphins' schedule. But at the same time, he didn't play like that against anybody else. So it felt right to, to lodge him here in the middle. Number eight, I settled on Sam Darnold. He barely edged out Joe Burrow, who comes in at number nine. The reason why Joe Burrow's nine is because Joe Burrow has not played a snap yet. So it's hard for me to put him up in front of established NFL talents without seeing him play. And Sam Darnold, despite the fact that for as well as Josh Allen has played against the Dolphins, Sam Darnold has played equally bad against the Dolphins. But Sam Darnold's also entering year two with the same offensive system. He's not going to get mono like he got last year. He bullied bad pass defenses down the back half of the stretch last year. So I think there is some hope for, for Dolphins continuing their dominance against Sam Darnold. But they got better on the offensive line. They upgraded two offensive line spots. Oh, you could say what you will about their pass catchers with out with Robbie Anderson and with Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims, but they got Jamison Crowder. They're getting Chris Hernan back at tight end. I think there's enough pieces here, and Darnold really liked throwing to the tight ends last year. So I think there's enough pieces here that he warrants a spot over top of uh, the unproven names. If you looked at and divided this roster or this list of quarterbacks the Dolphins will face, Darnold is the last of the proven names at the quarterback position. Joe Burrow is nine, as I said, number one overall pick, obviously super talented, super cerebral, how he meshes and acclimates with the Bengals and their personnel and their coaching staff. To be determined. We don't know. But we know he's the guy. Like, there's nobody else that's going to compete with Joe Burrow for the starting job at Cincinnati. Ten, I settled on Gardner Minshew. Uh, Minshew mania. Everybody wearing their mustaches back in September of last year when this dude came in for Nick Foles and played super exciting ball. The dude's got massive stones. I'll say that for Minshew. He's slippery within the pocket. He's not afraid of 50-50 coverage. He trusts his receivers to make big plays with the ball in the air. But you kind of saw it plateau last year. And Jacksonville's not a team that I think is going to have a lot of team success. I don't think they put in a lot of infrastructure around him to set him up to build upon what he had last year. But he can, he's capable of making some plays happen, winning off script. But he started less than a year in the NFL. He's a late mid, mid-round pick. And you didn't see the progression continue to scale up that would have you really excited about Minshew being your long-term answer at the quarterback position. So I put him behind Joe Burrow as the uh, the second quarterback in this tier of unproven names and 10th on the Dolphins' list of quarterbacks they face. So quick recap of the 10, then we'll get to the final three. Mahomes, one. Russell Wilson, two. Kyler Murray, three. Jared Goff, four. Jimmy Garoppolo, five. Derek Carr, 6, Josh Allen, 7, Sam Darnold, 8, Joe Burrow, 9, Gardner Minshew, 10. Drew Locke is 11, 
former second-round pick, only started five games. He performed well in those games, uh, but his pro readiness was a big question that caused him to drop out of the first round. He's got a great arm. He's going to have an awesome supporting cast around him, but we got no freaking clue what he is. And if you ask me, you know, would you rather have a guy with a lesser sample size or a guy with more sample size, I'll point to the guy with more sample size, a.k.a. Gardner Minshew, who played really well in certain stretches of that larger sample size. And I think Joe Burrow's talent surpasses that of Drew Locke, hence being the number one overall pick, so that's why he's above him as well. Which leaves us two teams, the L.A. Chargers and the New England Patriots. Patriots are probably starting Jarrett Stidham over Brian Hoyer. The Chargers are probably going to start the season with Terod Taylor over Justin Herbert. Whether or not the Chargers make that flip to Herbert sooner rather than later, Miami's kind of in that weird spot where, like, they play him in the first half of the... They play him in the second quarter of the season where I could see the Chargers staying committed to Terod Taylor, but if the script stays the same for Terod Taylor as it always has throughout the course of his career... um, you're going to get to a point where the Chargers are going to be struggling offensively to move the ball with consistency. Terod, look at how things were handled in Cleveland, right? He started the first three games in 2018. He was 1-1-1, completing less than 50% of his passes. Uh, His adjusted yards per attempt was under 3.5 yards per attempt. Uh, He was just not seeing routes down the field. If that repeats itself with him as the starter early on, you could potentially see Herbert get his first career start against the Dolphins. That level of unknown, but, you know, Terod being a very reliable backup quarterback, he was capable of winning with his legs. He is capable of extending plays. Pretty good athlete. He's just not an aggressive passer to push the ball down the field, and that puts the offense into a little bit of a box. And um, if he ends up starting, I still think he's 12th on this list. If he ends up being 13th, or if, if Herbert ends up starting, I still think he's 12th on this list because I would trust Herbert's got the big playability. He can push the ball to all areas of the field. Taylor's much more savvy. He's much more conservative with the football. He's got a better ball security but he's not going to make plays with you with his arm. Jarrett Stidham, late-round pick, former Auburn Tiger and Baylor Bear, New England Patriots. I think of the worst quarterback position situation in the entire division, the AFC East, and they're the worst quarterback, in my opinion, that the Dolphins are going to face this year. Stidham's probably going to come out now that I've said that and ball out and go nuts. And if that's the case, so be it. I'll have egg on my face. But you look at this before the season, you think about the resumes that have been established in the NFL, the resumes of these guys when they were college prospects. Stidham's the least appealing quarterback out of all the quarterbacks that the Dolphins could possibly face. Hope you guys enjoyed this exercise Uh, This is a a really fun concept for me to sit down and consider uh, positions across the league and how they can impact the Dolphins in their schedule. Uh, So it's something you'll probably see a little bit more about in the coming week or so. Uh, If you got any feedback, any positions that you want to hear, you can reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Grinding Tape. Locked on Dolphins is at Locked on Fins. And uh, as always, I think I can continue to get these positive uh, feedback through the iTunes reviews, including... 
uh, Buddha mind who's making fun of me for how I say Noah Igbahogany. And uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, this Northeastern accent is not going to allow me to change that one. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> so Igbahogany, he will be for the foreseeable future. We'll see maybe October I'll get the hang of it. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Hope to see you guys again tomorrow.